morning, everybody. We're so glad you've decided to uh, worship with us uh, this morning. Um, I just want to say off the top of just the sermon that bear with my hoarse voice. Um, I'm not sick. I'm a, I'm a coach of my son's soccer team, and uh, I get into it. And he had three games in the last four days. And so yesterday afternoon, I started thinking, like, okay, this, this might be interesting. So the good news is you're at first service. Imagine what second service uh, will be like. And so uh, bear with my, uh, my hoarseness. And uh, Cameron, if you wouldn't mind, I forgot to get a water bottle. So if you could bring one up for me, that would be helpful as well. Uh, we're continuing a series that we launched a few weeks ago uh, called The Financial Squeeze. And uh, we're looking at, is there one up here? Okay, thank you so much. We're looking at uh, our finances, specifically the squeeze of inflation, the squeeze of our choices, and then also even the squeeze of choices that other people make. And the idea is financially in life, as in other areas, uh, we can experience a lot of pressure. And money is not one of those areas that if you ignore or you don't talk about or you don't learn, uh, it doesn't get better. In fact, if you don't learn, and you don't grow in this area, it actually tends to get worse. And I was reminded of my own choices this past week. Uh, We wrapped up last week talking about uh, godliness being the most important pursuit. And in fact, godliness with contentment is great gain. And yesterday I was getting, or last week I was getting ready, last Sunday, right after the sermon, went home for lunch and got ready for a training meeting to head to Huntington Beach for our Antioch training program that some of our leaders are a part of here at Ridgeview. And I was backing out our car when all of a sudden I, I heard a crunch. And like not the good, like I ran out of a leaf, it's fall crunch, like a, I think I hit something. And I think that's weird, did I, I go out in the street and not realize it? I, I thought I was in my driveway and I'm looking and I'm just trying to figure out where was that noise. And I realized that I had backed into our other car. And the worst part is that I had parked the other car in front of the driveway and forgot that like I had parked it kind of overlapped the driveway, and I left it there and ended up parking, I mean, crashing into the very car that I parked just like an hour before. Have you ever had that happen? It's, it's like a terrible, terrible moment. Like the crunch, and you're like, oh, is it not that bad? Please not be bad. And then you're looking, oh, it's, it's bad. You know. And then as soon as that happened, the scripture came to my mind. Exactly what we talked about last week, godliness and contentment. But it was a crazy just slew of of emotions, just the feeling of like the damage, how stupid I felt, crashing into your own car that you parked. But that came to my mind, godliness with contentment. But then I was just battling all of these emotions. And that is actually how life is. And it reminded me that my intention was not to back into my own car. In fact, most accidents, we never intend to do them. But what you find is, like with cars and with life, it's not your intentions that matter. It's your direction. And if you're reversing, going into the direction of something parked and you hit it, it doesn't matter if you didn't intend to. Your direction was going that way. And it's actually the same with with our finances. It's the same with our choice. What our intentions are, our well-meaning, our hopes, actually don't really matter. What matters is our choices. It's the direction that determines where we go. And so I want to encourage you as we talk about this series and specifically as we talk about emotions today, emotions have a way of clouding our decisions. You end up regretting, you end up 
dealing with problems, you end up being overwhelmed. But what we have to do is in the middle of the emotions that we feel regarding our finances, regarding our choices, regarding our life, is what's the direction that God wants me to go? And that's what we've been talking about in this series. In the middle of choices that you've made and I've made, some good, some bad, sometimes you look back and you feel like there's more bad than there is good. It can be very discouraging. In the middle of all that, what you face and what I face is, is God's offer to help. And I wanna read his offer to help, which is our theme verse for this series in Isaiah chapter 46. And this is what it says. It says, I will be the same until your old age. God does not change. And I will bear you up when you turn gray. I have made you and I will carry you. I will bear and rescue you. So no matter what you're facing, the choices you've made, God will help you. He will extend a hand, his mighty hand, to support you. The idea is like he's not gonna let you be crushed. But just like direction and how that determines where we end up, there are some really implications and some boundaries on God's offer to help. That means our freedom that we have and the choice we make really do matter. Your life counts. The breath that you have, it's precious, every single one of them. And in our area from the, the money to our family to relationships to our work, everything, everything counts. And so in this series, we're talking about God's offer to help, that he will carry us, and at the same time, the conditions where that help comes. And that's what we've been talking about. Uh, we started the series talking about carrying my load, bearing responsibility, how God's offer to help is always connected to our own stewardship. The things that he's given to take care of you, that, you've, that he's given you to take care of, you have to continue to take care of them in the middle of stress, in the middle of anxiety, in the middle of feeling overwhelmed. You can't bail on your responsibilities. You have to be faithful. And as you're faithful, God, God will help you. If you're unfaithful and you feel like you've dropped the ball, you pick it back up and God will help you to bear that. Now, last week, we talked about contentment. Already what I talked about and the importance of budgeting for godliness, of all the things that we need to plan for, we need to plan for how we will grow in this life. Because if you grow in godliness and you become more like him, you become more like his son, Jesus, you will have value, what the scripture says, in all things. It doesn't matter how great your planning is if you don't have godliness, if it just shrivels up and dies. And so the good life, a life that lasts, is always connected to godliness. And this week, we're talking about, again, the emotions that we feel when we're under stress, specifically with our finances, and how God helps us in the middle of those thoughts, in the middle of those feelings. I don't know about you, but if you've done any research on finances, you, you come to find out that it's probably one of the most uh, conflict-ridden areas of life. In fact, when you look at problems in relationships, marriages specifically, oftentimes finances are right at the core. Finances and our money represent, again, our choices. They also represent our pursuit, where we're headed, why we're headed there. They represent survival and trying to make it. All of these things, and, and those things are, are very dear to us. So in the middle of these things, the anxiety can, can rise up. Now, for you, you may handle anxiety different than the next person. Now, how many of you, when you're anxious, you find that you don't sleep as well? Anybody? Like you're kind of short in sleep, you wake up, and you wake up really early, and then you start knowing your, your mind starts to think, and you're just telling your mind, stop thinking about that, stop thinking about it. And the more you tell yourself to stop thinking about it, you can't stop thinking about it, and before you know it, you can't go to bed. Isn't that the worst? Then if you're up at like 3 a.m., what kind of a person are you at 10 a.m.? 
cranky pants. That's what we say in our family. It's easy when you're short on sleep because you're full of anxiety to then extend really that stress to, to others. And so it, it impacts us. But then also when we deal with anxiety and stress, there's other things that we do. Try to make ourselves feel better. Really, the world, those without Christ, is a picture of a world that's searching to fill the void of stress and anxiety and hopelessness. And people do it in all sorts of ways. But with Christ, we actually have two key ways that God's given us to calm anxiety. And that's what I wanna talk about today. Now, it doesn't mean that anxiety, you snap your fingers and it goes. It means when it comes and the battle is on, the Lord has given us ways to fight. This area of battling stress, what many would call mental health, is billion-dollar industry, people trying to figure out how to cope with life. But if you're a Christ follower, you've been given power that can't be found in any book other than the truth of God's word. You've been given also the Holy Spirit, God himself, to help you. And so the help we have is supernatural. It doesn't mean that we won't battle. It doesn't mean that we won't fall. It doesn't mean that we won't worry. But God's given us two key ways, and that's what I want to highlight today. The first Two actions. The first action is to seek, don't run. When anxiety is chasing you, when you feel like you're chasing the wrong things, you actually have to switch from, from running to seeking. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about that from Jesus' own teaching. Check this out in Matthew 6. It says, so don't worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? Now, I just wanna stop here because Jesus is saying something that sounds so much like, yeah, we won't do that. But saying it and doing it are two different things. What Jesus is saying in verse 31 is actually huge because most of us spend so many times trying to think about these areas. These are the big three. What are we gonna eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? How many of you stress over what you're gonna eat every single day? You ever go home and you're like, I have nothing to eat as you look at a pantry full of stuff? Or there's just too many options of where to eat. It's overwhelming. So just with the first one, like where will we eat? Like that concerns us. Jesus is dealing with like the necessities. Like we have to eat, you have to wear clothes, you have to drink. Without that, you, you, you won't survive. So what he's saying is profound. It's something that impacts every single one of us. But he's saying, so don't worry about these things. And then he compares why. And he says, 32, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Uh, Jesus is really describing two gears that we use in this life. We seek and we run. Run is described as what the Gentiles do. The Gentiles is really a description of pagan people. In, in this day, it was like people that, that did not know God. So God was not a factor in their decision-making. So all of the choices that they made didn't factor God in itself. Me was the center of the universe. And so all my pursuits and all my chasing was to make my life better, to do all I can to get as much out of this life because that's all there is. And so Jesus is giving this description of, of those who run and the eagerly is just this like frantic, like you're looking for a sign, you're looking for hope in these things. And so you chase them, you chase them, you chase them and you run, and you run, and you run. But if you run, 
Your pace is fast, but in life, the, the path is crooked. That's what Jesus is saying. It's like, you're just going to spend so much time at a really great pace, but not getting anywhere. The second is, is to seek. The pace is slower, but the path is actually straight, meaning your direction. You're, you're going to end up in the right place. But again, Jesus is talking about things that tend to kind of run away from us. Have you ever eaten? And then shortly after, you're like, I'm kind of hungry again. If you have kids, that's like the worst. You're like, you just ate. Like, I know that was 30 minutes ago. And then you drink and you get thirsty again. And you get dressed today. Tomorrow, you still have to get dressed again. And then you get to that point where you open your drawers and you realize you have no more clothes. Then you have to do laundry because it starts all over again. And I just brought up laundry. Some of you are stressed right now because I brought that up. That may be the worst chore you face in your life. So these things, they, they tend to run away from us, and so we, we end up chasing them. So Jesus is, is not acting like this doesn't matter. He's saying your perspective and the way you see your life has to shift. It's a comparing of what you build at the center of it. He's saying, you know, you could spend your whole life chasing the things that you want. Or you could spend your life chasing the thing that really matters. And this is what he says. If you put God at the center of your life and then address your daily needs, he will add his effort to yours. That's the promise. If you put God at the center of your life and then address your daily needs, he will add his effort to yours. But then he also says this. If you try to pull your life together first and then add him in, life will keep falling apart. That's the difference between seeking and running. So what will it be? This is what Jesus is asking. Are you going to run until you die and you wear yourself out, or are you going to seek God first? Jesus makes it very clear in the verses actually preceding this statement that we were not made to just run and then die. God actually has given us a great purpose. And it's this purpose that actually frees us from anxiety the seeking that he's given us, that he's put in all of our hearts. Notice what he says in Matthew 6. Now, this is an analogy, and so you have to kind of picture this in your mind. And he's asking the listener to consider, and he says, consider the birds of the sky. So, you know, you, you actually need to do that. You need to look up. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment of his life spanned by worrying? 28, and why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor, splendor was adorned like one of these. So Jesus is giving you a lesson in our, our identity. You're not a bird. Isn't that just, aren't you really glad you heard that today? I am not a bird. And you're also not a flower. You actually have more purpose and a greater identity than those things. But Jesus is saying, but even those things, look at how they're taken care of. Pay attention to that. Now, humans, as you know, as you've experienced in your life, we have a tremendous ability. Our intelligence and what we can do is actually magnificent as you take a step back and you see what we have been able to create. So we're very smart, and God made us this way. He made us in his image. 
to actually multiply on this earth to, to build families and to build systems and structures and to take care of the earth that he's given us. And we've made leaps and bounds in technology and in systems and in those structures. And so in our intelligence and how smart we are, what tends to happen though is we forget and fail to see that it's the God behind those systems that makes it all happen. The idea of running is the more intelligent we think and the more that we think we can put things together, the more we chase them and we no longer factor God in. And that's what we see in our world. Jesus is saying, we, you have to slow down. You have to take a step back. Now, birds and plants, they have far more reasons to worry because they don't have the advancements that we have. But what Jesus is saying is that they're actually not smart enough to worry. How do birds get fed? God feeds them. How do we get fed? Well, we, we farm and we purchase. And then how do flowers get dressed? You ever seen a flower getting dressed in the morning? That's not a trick question. No, I haven't either. God clothes them. He's made each flower exactly how he wanted each flower to be. But what's tending to happen in these things is we're outsmarting ourselves. And again, we, we tend to ignore God. And so Jesus is saying, you need to slow down. These things which I've created that are not nearly as purposeful and intelligent as you, God takes care of them. And then he asks this question in verse 27. Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? What a great question. What do you think the answer is? That's the easy answer. The hard question behind that is, then why do we do it? And that's Jesus' point. If it has no value, why do you use the great purpose and intelligence that you've been given to waste your time on something that only takes away your life and doesn't add to it? Jesus was very profound. He knew how to cut right to the heart. This was written a couple thousand years ago. And is this relevant today? Absolutely. Is this relevant to you? Absolutely. Is it relevant to me? Yes. Because we think we can add these moments to our life by worrying because we spend so much time doing that. What Jesus is saying is you, you can't outsmart God. You can't run ahead of him. And so the key question is, will we worry or trust him? Will we run chasing or will we seek God? That's the question. Now, the seeking, to contrast, rather than the running after these things, a seeker is someone who sets their sights on a goal and they stay after it. What do we seek? Well, Jesus says you seek two things, his kingdom and his righteousness. His kingdom is the agenda he has with the world and being a part of it and seeing it advance, his ways. And then his righteousness is really his idea of what right is and what wrong is. And there's a lot of ideas in our culture about what's right wrong. A lot of ideas in our world. But our goal, if you decide to seek his righteousness and seek his kingdom is, and you spend time in his word, and you spend time walking with God, getting to know him, so that his ways and his ideas, I can adopt over time, and they become mine. And the life that he wants me to live, I begin to live from the inside out. 
So to seek uh, his kingdom and his righteousness, those are not two hobbies. They flow, like I talked about last week, out of a godly life, budgeting and making decisions that you can align with his kingdom and you can align with his righteousness. They're a concert effort to make it a priority. We need continual reminders of how to stay on track on the path that he has to seek him. Sometimes it feels slow. We're not getting the results that we want. But the path leads to the destination where God wants us, is to be more like him. So sometimes in the slowness, he's allowing us to get rid of some of those pursuits and some of those chasing that we do. And he's good like that. He, he's faithful to teach us. Now, it doesn't mean that you go to the grocery store and you just say, you know what, um, God's got that bill covered. And then you don't pay and you walk out. How would that go? Not well. But what it is saying is that what I buy and the things that I do need to buy and the things that I need to work for and the accounts that I need to have and take care of, they're not the main thing. There's a greater thing. It's his kingdom. It's not my own. It's not my own castle that I'm trying to build, my own throne. It's his. And it's not only what I want, it's, it's his righteousness and his ways. Those are the things that I want to pursue. Now, the thing in this life every day is that we're a sponge just full of ideas that are contrary to this. The media fills us with wrong ideas. Our heart fills us with wrong ideas. Different groups of people, what's cool, what's popular, they fill us with wrong ideas. And because we're sponges and we soak all these ideas up, we can get full of just worldly wrong thinking. And it's normal. So what we need is we actually need to just get wrung out of the wrong thinking and get filled with the things that are true. And part of how we do that at Ridgeview Church is we have to be a part of community. And we're opening up groups again to allow people to be in community, to allow people to, to get just kind of just the right ideas and help so we can pursue the kingdom and his righteousness together. And so if you're not a part of a group, we've opened these groups up so you can be a part, so you can be reminded of the truth, so you can be with people that are seeking and not running. They're seeking the Lord and not chasing the wrong things. And so there's a flyer in your program. You can check that out and you can sign up. We're gonna have signups over the next few weeks. But this is why we have groups. It's a reminder. We need the truth and we need a group of people who we're seeking the Lord together with. So I encourage you to, to check that out. So that's the first action that God gives us to calm anxiety. The second is as important. So we seek, we shouldn't run, but we should also pray and not panic. We should pray and don't panic. I'm gonna go through this quickly, but I wanna read a passage that's written by Paul, the Apostle Paul, who was a church star in the first century. I read a lot of, from him last week talking about contentment. He has a lot to say, and you'll see this same theme in this passage in Philippians. And he says, don't worry about anything. Again, it kind of sounds like what Jesus says, don't worry about what you eat, don't worry about what you drink, don't worry about you, what you wear. And you're like, I know, but there's a lot to worry about. And so Paul says the same thing, don't worry about anything. Now wait, what? Say what? It doesn't seem like it's real. Like what universe could this be real? Because there's so many things to worry about. But Paul then says, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So we're talking about the financial squeeze. Let me just ask you this. 
Have you been worried about money this past week, anybody? When I heard the crunch of my bumper into the other bumper, money was on my mind. And then I just, you know, buffed it out and started thinking like Sharpies and duct tape, you know? MacGyver, that's cheap. If you guys need auto body, come to me. And I'm just, just kidding. But it, it, this area of finances, it's, it's plenty of worry. And so what, what Paul is saying and building on what, what Jesus is saying is that there's this reflex where these thoughts come and we begin to chase them. And so the seeking and not running is connecting to the praying and not panicking. The way that you seek and the way that you pray are tied together because as soon as you want to chase the worry, the way that you stop it is you pray. As soon as you run after the worry, God gives us this reflex. It's like these, these worries are, are mounting and I want to do something. I want to solve my own problems. I want to fix it. But actually our, our reflex should be how do I bring God into this? And I just want to go through this quickly. First, how you pray and not panic is make a list of everything that you're anxious about. Now, how many of you are thinking, like, I need to go buy a new journal and notebook for that? Well, sometimes you may not be anxious about as many things as you think, but sometimes it's just such this just mass in our mind that we don't even know what we're anxious about other than we're anxious. And so when Paul says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, the everything is your concerns. But if you don't know what your concerns are, it actually empty to list them. My statements from my retirement funds, you ever opened those recently? It's really depressing. It felt like I could have just taken my money and opened my window and said, do something. That's kind of what it felt like. So I started to think like, wow, how much money do you need for retirement? And you, you know, you chase that. And then you start thinking, well, like, wow, we're getting older. You start thinking like, well, who's going to take care of it? And you start going down this road. Well, worry is, is not self-limiting. It, it tends to grow. And so when Paul says, but in everything, the idea is the things that you're anxious about, don't just keep them in the confines of your head. List them out. Face them. And then he says pray through prayer. So in everything, through prayer. This is the big power move. This is, again, where you go from the running to the seeking. And it doesn't have to be anything eloquent other than God, help me. Help me, God. I need your help. Sometimes in my life, there's been so many times where I'm just weighed by so many things on my mind, so many things I'm concerned with. I say, God, I just need you. Help me. I just need you. That's what Paul's saying. That's the big power move. That's just, you pray, I need help. Then he says, not just pray, but petition. This is asking for God's specific help with each item on your list. So it's praying specifically about those anxieties that you've listed earlier. Pray, God, I need your help. Petition, I need your help with these things. Do those things magically disappear? No. But you're seeking 
the kingdom and you're seeking his righteousness in the middle of the things that you're stressed about, the things that are weighing on you. And he says, give thanks to God. Now, in my life, one of the things you can do is use your anxiety list as a means of thanksgiving. Because did you know a lot of the things that you're anxious about are also tied to the things that God's given you? I have two cars with dents. I thank God for those two cars. Because without those two cars, I'd be on a bike and I'd probably be crashing those. You guys are getting nervous. You're all, you're, everyone's wondering where I'm parked. I parked by myself today, guys. I'm not near any cars. I'm still grieving. But it's, you know, you, you get concerned about your health. You've been given life. You're concerned about your house. You have a shelter. And all of these things can be tied to the provision, the God working behind the scenes. It's a powerful step. You give thanksgiving because you already know God's positioned you in a place where he's taking care of you. You may not know how it's gonna work out, but with thanksgiving, it's this answer like, God, thank you for already what, what you've done. The life that you've given me, it, it's a gift, and I wanna, I wanna handle it. I wanna handle it well. And then the last, what Paul says is to leave it, leave it there. So you pray, you petition, you choose to be thankful. And then it says, present your request to God. So this presentation is this, this battle where you've given it to God. And the idea is you leave that worry there. Like you don't keep grabbing it and worrying about it. You trust the God who made you to take care of you, which he will. Why? Because what Jesus says is if he takes care of the flower, he takes care of the bird, which don't have the same value as you made in his image, will he not take care of you as well? And so you, you, you leave it there. Now, I've left this with you. It helped me to trust you. That just needs to be a prayer. That's a prayer in my life. Just, there's a battle. Like I've given it to God, these concerns, and then I take it back, and I've realized I've taken it back, and God, I give it back. And it's just sometimes every day it's this battle of taking what I've given him, giving it back, and then taking it and giving it back. God, will, will, you, will you help me? So seek, not run and you'll actually pursue the thing that really matters. And as you pursue the things that matter, your anxiety will lessen. And then pray, and don't panic. When the panic comes, continue to pray. And when it comes again, you continue to pray, and you list it out. What I wanna do right now is I wanna share just a brief story of a couple from our church who have made just some progress of seeing God come through in their life, uh, specifically as they've decided to do life his way, to seek and not run and chase the wrong kinds of things. And so I wanna invite Jason and Lauren Lewis up and they're gonna share a just journey about their life. And I wanna give just a brief, a brief background. Jason and Lauren have been a part of our church for about a year and a half. And a few months ago, they posted on social media how they had become like debt-free. And they had making decisions uh, to do that. Welcome, guys. Come on up. Um, oh, pre-clap. That's always a good sign. Um, I'm just sharing briefly how I saw your, your post. And, and they are really honoring God for just this progress of uh, becoming debt-free. And 
it really stuck with me because it was just one of those journeys where I could see that they had really worked and set goals. God had come through, and they were just celebrating uh, the progress that, that they had made. And so I had a discussion with Jason this past week, just kind of hearing a little bit more of their story. And I just wanted to ask them some questions because the things that we're talking about in this series, they, they show up in, in real life. And again, uh, they have made steps of direction, not just intentions. And they've really seen a God come through. So uh, just a few questions that, that I want to ask, and I think each of them are going to answer a different questions. Uh, when I was talking with Jason, um, he kept talking about just certain uh, anxieties that he was facing related to money. And so that's the first question, just uh, what were some ways money was just increasing anxiety for you? Sure. Can you hear me okay? Is that good? All right. So through this process, I had a lot of anxiety. Um, this is one of those moments I think I look back in life and I can vividly remember exactly where I was in that moment in time. So I remember one weekend being in our home office, going through our bills like I'm sure other people do, going, I got to pay this, I got to pay that, I got to pay that. Before long, the stress, the anxiety of it all just kicked in. I mean, Alex, I'm an accountant. I'm a CPA. I help businesses and people with finances, yet I felt so hopeless in this moment. And so I just knew that, you know, I ne we needed to set a plan. We needed to set uh, better ways to help deal with that and kind of deal with it head on. Um, through this journey, I learned about this Bible verse that really uh, just hits me uh, every time I hear it. It's uh, Proverbs 22.7. It says, the borrower is slave to the lender. And that's just something, you know, that's really impacted me through this. So part of, part of the anxiety you were, you were feeling was related to this area of bills and debt and feeling like you were chained, uh, you know, to that. Is that right? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, second question, this is for you, Lauren. Um, what were some challenges that, that you guys faced as you began? Uh, you, you identify your decisions, you identify your reality, um, and then how you want to move forward with honoring God with your finances. So what were some of those challenges as you began to kind of set that new direction? Um, so I think what, what started it was Jason came to me and said, like, okay, we need to get on a budget. And I was like, why, why do we need to be on a budget? <laughs> like, he's always been more of the saver, and I've always been more of the spender. So Real, real quick, it, you guys experienced that difference in marriage? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay. So, Enough said. All right, go ahead. Um, we decided, okay, we're going to do this plan. We're, we're going to tackle this together. So we, we did the budget, and it was just eye-opening to see, like, you know, where our money was going out every month. So we just decided um, what were our goals, what was important to us, and how we were going to tackle this together. Um, I think us being on the same page was like so important. Um, we, ha we couldn't really hide anything. Like he knew if I was spending stuff because we were on this budget, it w where it was going. So um, being transparent is what made it work for us. Okay. So one of the challenges is just recognizing you need a plan and then getting on the same page. Yeah, that's good. Okay, third question. Um, obviously this meant changes, I'm sure many conversations, I'm sure maybe even uh, tense ones at times where you saw things differently. 
you don't need to share all of that, but all of us know what that's like. Um, so how did, how did God help you uh, during this where you're thinking, okay, I, I want to handle money in a wise way. I want to set the right goals that please God. Um, how, did, how did he help you in the middle of it? So all along this journey to financial peace, God really has led the path for us. Um, we had to make a lot of small, even to like very large decisions about what was best for our family, um, what was best for our jobs and just life in general. Um, so whenever we were at a crossroads and we weren't sure like if we were doing the right thing, um, God would really reassure us and um, in our decisions and really just guide us in the right direction. Great. And then Jason, you know, you, you guys made decisions to work, you know, out of debt. And again, for some of us, if the debt's really large, that, that can be very difficult. It can be overwhelming. Um, so what would you say to people who are trying to make changes, who are trying to move maybe away from some of the anxiety? Like, what, what would you say to people who are hearing this and being like, wow, isn't that so special that they can do that, but there's no hope for me? What would you say to them? Well, first off, uh, you're not alone. I, I was in that moment. I mean, that was back in 2007, and we just achieved what our goals were in 2022. So it's a long process. So don't beat yourself up. You're not alone. Um, for, for us, I can just speak from my experience. Um, start small. Start, don't think I have to eat the elephant all at once. Take one bite at a time. Pick one thing that's causing you stress and, and work on that. And you will just be amazed by the momentum you can build by just making one small little change or accomplishing one little task. Um, it's easy to want to focus on the bigger picture, and so you just need to make sure you remind yourself that take, take one step at a time. Um, but I also cannot stress enough what Lauren said. It is... It's impossible to do it alone if, if you're married. You need to get on the same page uh, with your spouse. If you're not married, you need to find an accountability partner or somebody that can just be there because you're going to have moments when you just want to give up. You know, you're going to have moments where, you know, it just feels too big. And so it's so important to know it's a marathon. It's not a race. And so just take your time. Show yourself some grace. You're not always going to be perfect but just start small and take it step by step. Well, thanks. Thank you guys for, for sharing. And, and Lauren and Jason, I know would be more, willing, more than willing to share you, you know, with you a little bit about their story if you'd like to talk to them specifically. Uh, tonight as well, we have our finance workshop that actually goes through practical steps that you can take. Uh, it's not too late uh, to sign up. Um, again, you have to set direction. You wanna do things God's way. And then you're going to need a lot of help with what that looks like. And, you know, as a church, you know, we want to help you uh, in this area. So thank you, too, uh, for sharing. I want to just, there was a quote uh, when you posted, because you, you guys worked with Dave Ramsey and the Ramsey Solution, and there was a, a quote that you had uh, taken a picture of, Lauren. And it says, remember, there's ultimately only one way to financial peace, and that's to walk daily with the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. And as I saw that, I thought that's, that's very fitting of, what your experience is and what the experience is as you ask God for help. So thank you for sharing. Let's give them a hand. You guys can exit. Um, as they exit, I just want to wrap up briefly before we close out our service with just uh, three next steps. Uh, if you've not yet, 
I encourage you, memorize the theme verse for this series, Isaiah 46.4. I just put that to your memory. It's the reminder of the promise. And then the reminder of the conditions that, that we have as well that God helps us with. Uh, I mentioned the finance workshop. Um, you can sign up for that on uh, Church Center or write that on your connection card. We'd love to have you. Uh, you'll see the details in your program. And then I talked a lot about Jesus' teaching from Matthew 6. Uh, that might be a good next step for you today. Uh, just read uh, or this week, re- read Matthew 6 to kind of find Jesus' teaching on, on what's really important in the middle of the things that, that concern us. So take a next step, uh, fill out that connection card, finish filling that out if you haven't had a chance yet. And uh, if I've not met you, I'll be by the next step table. I'd love to meet you after the service. Uh, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time to gather, to worship, to be reminded of what's true. I thank you for Jason and Lauren for the help that you've given them, them and the work that they've done to really be faithful. Um, We pray for just all of our families a part of Ridgeview that as we do life your way, that you'll help us, that you'll give us grace to keep moving forward. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.